everybody. Welcome to this episode of Inside Brooklyn, sponsored by the Brooklyn Commons and WJMS Radio. I am so excited to be here. Season two is on and popping here in Brooklyn Commons, and I'm really, really excited. We have an awesome lineup of guests for you guys. Uh, shout out to the folks behind the scenes that make this podcast possible, that have provided us with this beautiful location to broadcast in, and have connected us with the wonderful people that we're talking to over the next couple of weeks for the show. Uh, I also want to thank the folks at WJMS that helped make this possible as well, and I want to thank the folks that are sponsoring this eventually because <laughs> there there should be a few according to to Madam Extraordinaire over here Joanne um so I'm really really excited to be here I have special guests with me Desmond Monroe from the Monroe Group and Desmond is the president and CEO of the Monroe Group it's a program management disaster recovery and compliance consulting firm headquartered in Brooklyn New York uh, he's a value partner and sought after consultant to small and mid-sized nonprofits and large organizations seeking subject matter expertise in portfolio and program management operational excellence, disaster recovery, and strategic planning. Uh, Desmond is an influential leader with over 10 years of experience in providing a broad range of advisory services and guidance to private organizations, non-governmental organizations, and government agencies. Uh, He's a proponent of continuous process improvement through a robust project management methodology. And in his spare time, he's active in the community with a focus on organizations involved in urban development and community growth. He's a trusted and valued United Nations non-governmental liaison, and he serves on the Brooklyn Community Board as a Land Use and Economic Development Committee member for North Brooklyn. So I'm really, really excited to welcome you to the show today. That's a lot. I'm going to short all that. You need to. You need to maybe make it one sentence or something. I'm like, I'm just hearing it back and I'm just waiting. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. That's a lot. That's but a lot. anyway, it's well-deserved, obviously. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, actually. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. I've meditated this morning for an hour, so I'm so wow. ready, right? That's a, I mean, I wish I had the, I wish I had the time, I guess I'm saying. But like, meditation for an hour? Like, I'm just like, like, what do you think about nothing? That's the point, right? <laughs> like, what do you think about for an hour? Nothing. Um, so I gave the audience a little bit of background on you professionally, but why don't you give the audience some background on you personally, who you are and where you came from? Well, I'm Desmond Shalom Monroe. Um, I am from I'm West African descent. I, my family, you know, I was born in Philadelphia, raised in uh, New York. I've traveled, I've done all kinds of things around the world, and I just really spend a lot of time right now um, focusing on community development and disaster recovery and kind of building, I don't know, better builders and a better world and all kinds of, you know, fun stuff. So disaster recovery sounds absolutely terrifying. Um, (laughs) Why don't you talk a little bit about what that means to the audience? Like, what do you do for disaster recovery? Okay, so this is going to get a little nerdy, but I have to to in order to really get it, right? So once there's disaster, like preparedness and the immediate disaster response and disaster recovery. So disaster preparedness, that's where you get your pamphlets and the Red Cross to say, you know, what to do a disaster. Um, usually disaster relief happens after it happens you get your red cross and things like that and then disaster recovery is more when these these funds are funneled from the United States government congress it's called a community community development block grant disaster recovery funds once billions of dollars are released for the the recovery effort then usually that administration or that that government official governor or whatever will put together a team of people to 
look at everything and say, how the hell are we going to put this back together? <laughs> and I'm usually part of that team. Okay. <laughs> so you must have liked doing puzzles and things like that and putting stuff back together. Yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting, right? Because when you try to do on a community on a community development side, you have to work with an existing infrastructures yeah. of, like, you know, things. But disaster recovery, you come in when it's all gone anyway. So you can start from scratch. So you're just like, oh, yeah, we need better transportation, better housing. But you're starting from the ground up. It may take longer, but you have less roadblocks when everything's already, for lack of a better word, destroyed. So, you know what I mean? Yikes. <laughs> so, I mean, and then working with the city of New York, which is also somebody you work with, sounds equally daunting. So what are some of the crazy things you've gone through and experienced or any interesting stories you can actually share with us from working with the state of New York? Yes. <laughs> and I'll try to, you know, that is where the, the, the political capital hat comes on. Yes. So I've had very lively discussions with um, the, the, the residents and the constituents of New York are very, very vocal when they're not getting the services that they want. And being on the other side, supplying the services as a consultant for the government, you know, people are, are, are very, they're very vocal. And mm-hmm. I think that we weren't, we, we weren't ready for that because when people want to get into their house, they want to get into their house and they'll show up at your house and tell you that they want to get, get into, their, into their house. <laughs> So I think the challenge was, you know, uh, that political landmine in that field because, you know, you represented the people, but you also were a private contractor. So it was very interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's like, I don't know, something about just, just New York has so many things going on all the time. So many different programs, so many different departments. You know, when someone says they work for the city of New York, it's like, oh, like, you're one of those. Like, you're one of those city worker folks. Like, what do you do? You know, so I just think it's, I always find it interesting when I find people that work within the sector to talk about, like, what it is they do. Because it just sort of shines a light on the entire organization. Like, hey, it's not that scary. You know, this is what this person does. Like, there's branches. And it's weird because I was a private consultant, but I was embedded with the government. So I I had a private company, but I basically functioned as a government employee, but I wasn't sort of under the same government regulations. Some of them, you know, non-disclosures, but really not like on the pension path or any of that kind of stuff because I was uh, an outside consultant, but but with it. And so it was very interesting to be like, not a government employee, but I'm working like next to all these government employees every day for, they have a different, different mind. So you're like, like the Olivia Pope, modern day Olivia Pope, (laughs) working alongside the government on the sneak tip. Like you're with, you're with that team. That's kind of funny. Um, So how does your business sort of help the community? You know, what is it that you do or what services is it that you provide to the community or what are you giving back? So we we have nailed down our core competencies. So we we deal with um, community development, which uh, and disaster recovery. We say we fuse them because the same money is in the same policies and structures when it comes down to um, having smart, thought out urban development that uh, that kind of looks after everyone within either the economic part or the affordable housing part, mm-hmm. you, you you have those skills that are, that are cross-reference. So I work with developers, and we have a tagline, building better builders. It's like I work with them, so as their development projects are going up, it has a, a positive impact on the area, which is going up either, either through MWBE participation on the project to hire local um uh, really look at their affordable housing costs through the development phase. You know, it's kind of hard to do it once, once the building's in construction. But if you can sit down at the table and when, when there's just an idea, when they see a plot of land to be like, this is how we can really develop it and also, you know, meet our mark, 
but also, you know, really do something for the community instead of being seen as gentrifiers or tinkers. We, we need to, you know, be able to give back. So that's what I do with on the community development side and disaster recovery side is when it hits. Um, I'm, I'm there. Good. So you speak so, like, passionately and so, you know, eloquently about, you know, what you're doing. What, what, what got you into this industry? You know, what was that spark for you? It was um, probably two things. I died when I was 22, so that... <laughs> That whole thing, that probably had something to do with it. What? <laughs> we need you to run that back. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that really probably had something to do with it. I got meningitis and I just dropped it. Like, like that's just it. And um, it was really bad and scary. I woke up. I was, I didn't even know I woke up. I uh, just was, woke up in the hospital covered in tubes and everything and deaf and paralyzed and it was just like, what is going on here? And they were, people just shocked. They're like, well, damn. <laughs> You're still here. <laughs> like, like, we were just measuring you out. <laughs> like, wait, were you sick? And you just, you know. I was like, just, I don't know how the, I, I, I got the virus. Obviously, I was exposed to it. But um, there was a, five people within the community. Somehow, maybe I, I got in contact with one of them. But it was like a small. And, um, and got meningitis. And I was one of them. And, uh. Fortunately, I was one that that survived. A few of them didn't, and uh, the one that when it did, besides me, was left in a much um, more, which left was left in a state where he could no longer like take care of himself. It was like a nursing home and so brain damage because of what happens when you get meningitis. So, so I think that experience <laughs> um, shifted something, and um, I just started to see the the. the I started to understand, maybe not even see quite yet, the bigger picture in human development and understanding that I have to be a productive member of that and have to help in any way I can. But I hate saying help because it's not its not really helping. I'm not helping defenseless people. I'm helping people who can help themselves and do all kinds of great things. You're facilitating. Yeah, facilitating. I just hate saying help. Mm-hmm. Not really help. Yeah, we've got to find the, the yeah. source. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, wow. Like, my mom has, has had meningitis Um She's had meningitis a few times, actually, believe it or not. It's not something you're supposed to bounce back from, uh, but it ended up being her. She had MS. Mm-hmm. And if you're anybody familiar with MS, it mimics other diseases. And then it, like, you know, manifests itself as MS. So it wasn't, it was, you know, MS managed, like, manifesting itself as meningitis. So we're trying to figure out that she would, every year in the hospital, she'd be in the hospital for meningitis. And the doctors are like, you are not supposed to live like you're not supposed to get meningitis multiple times this is not something that you're supposed mm-hmm. to have regularly like something's going on um, and they finally diagnosed her with the MS um, she's she's totally fine now she's like in remission running around running crazy got her degrees like she's good but you know there was a while where you know this was regular for her so to hear you tell your story and you're like I woke up and you're like the other person has passed away and the other person's were in a nursing home I just I'm just in awe um because of just the the caliber of disease that meningitis is and, and what it does to your body, like that's you're a strong person. It's strange, but I'm really thankful that it happened. Um, some some things that weren't like um, fused to my memory, like if it wasn't like people who really had a deep connection, they were wiped away. They're oh, like wow. I, I saw people. They're like, oh, you remember we were? I was like, I have no idea who we were. I was like, hey. <laughs> I was like, so a lot of things just done, and it was very, it was actually a really, really spiritual moment. I remember before I went to the hospital, I was like at home in my apartment by myself, completely sick. I was in the hospital before, they didn't touch me, they just gave me some pills, I'm just like, you know, go home and be fine. And then I remember laying in the bed, 
like as clear as day. Couldn't breathe. Had took all the medicine he told me. And as clear as as clear as I, I can hear you right now, I heard a voice say, "If you don't get out this bed, like <laughs> right now, yeah. you are going to die right here in this bed." And I just in said it again. And by the third time, it had like rolled up, called nine one one, and was like crawled to the door, was waiting for them. So whatever voice that is, it was it was like very 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 clear. And I think going through that process uh, was was what. Catalyst that changed a little bit, but anyway. Was it a voice you recognized, or was it a, like a inner voice for you? No, it was it was a voice saying, "If you don't get out this day, <laughs> <laughs> I, right I didn't even know what the voice you was. Won't I die. <laughs> I'm very, very, you know, I do, you know, very, I, I believe in the higher self and very spiritual person, so I do believe at that time there was there was something else. Being like, this is just you wrote this is not a cold. Like you need to go. Yeah, home. just your your wake up yeah. call. Yeah. Wow. So, all right, switching back. Oh, sorry. Us, reeling us back. <laughs> um, so, it says, you know, you're a non-governmental liaison, and you're also on the, you know, the Brooklyn Community Board. What do those two positions do for you? You know, like, why why join those um, those organizations, in addition to everything that you're already doing with the Monroe Group? Well, I think with the with with the Community Board is that, like, I live in Bushwick, and I would see a lot of development. I come from a development background, so I know what's happening. And so I'm I'm just seeing how the community is responding to it. And I needed to find that central point to see if they had the education and resources needed to be able to respond to the, the influx of development and and the changing economic land structure. So I just want to be a part of it. So I went and um and thank you our councilman Espinal. I met him at a an event upstate black and Latino uh, caucus. And he was like, hey, that's my district, guys. I'd really like to have you in the community board and give your ideas. And one thing led to another, I was there. And we were able to do some really good things. But there is an actual, you know, there is a a taking of land and a stripping of economic opportunities for people. And the thing is, like, there are resources out there, but those resources aren't marketed. So if somebody doesn't find the resources and then bring them and, like, market them, then people don't know. Then you have to push them through that process as well. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I hate to, to put you on the spot, but do you have an opinion of what's going on with some of the gentrification that's happening? I do. And everything? Yeah, I do. Um, I wrote a spot in BuzzFeed about it because I just don't care if you, you, you yell at me. But I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's racial and systematic and economic oppression, but it just makes it look really nice with Starbucks. <laughs> I'm not calling out them, but I'm just saying yeah. it just makes it look really nice. But then when you really look at the back end and people who are developing with these tax subsidies, like ICAP or they're getting 421A tax subsidies for their properties, but then they're still charging like market rate when they're supposed to be doing subsidized stuff. You, you just went down a whole financial rabbit hole that I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're gonna have to you're gonna have to dumb that down a little All bit. Right, regular I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like a four twenty move what now? <laughs> so developers and landlords get real big tax subsidies for yeah. developing if they say I'm gonna offer some affordable housing or I'm gonna, you know, do something for this ICAP. And sometimes oftentimes they just don't do it. They they get the tax subsidies and you know, some have been found with uh, messing with rent rolls, basically submitting rent rolls saying, Yeah, yeah, this apartment is, you know, it's it's a low income or moderate income, but yet, you know, the charge person living there is paying market rate yeah. and no one even knows. And so it's kind of putting compliance and, and, and bringing that to fruition that I think that will just help just so people just know the laws that people are getting. They know they're able to ask more informed questions when they see buildings come up in their community and they 
then you can realize they do have a voice to actually stop it because if as soon as you know you know the lingo, then you approach somebody and you're just like, oh, no. yeah, like oh wait, they know the <laughs> mission, they know. <laughs> yeah. um, so in terms of you know everything that you have going on, are there any other ventures that you are involved in, like anything else besides the community board, besides the liaison and the work with the Monroe Group? Um, yeah, we we're um, getting into software development. So that's been interesting. We've been taking all basically what's in my brain and making applications. And I've been working with IBM. They've been really nice and um, basically yeah, so when it comes down to compliance software, instead of having me there, they're taking it out of here and putting it in a platform with um, and working with another company and just designing software for, for people to be able to use on the market um, when it comes to disaster recovery, business development, so yeah, just trying, just trying to slowly get my hands into diversifying portfolio. Diversify, but it's all the same. <laughs> but the thing is, it's all the same knowledge, right? So it's not yeah. like I'm learning something new. I'm just like, hey, just whatever I can, I'm just going to use it as many mediums as possible, which most business people should try to do. So, what is your five year plan for the Monroe Group? Then, like, what is your plan moving forward? Even a five year, ten year, whichever one you have mapped out. Um, okay. What is the plan? That. Well, I want to definitely continue to grow my relationship with the United Nations and take some projects uh, overseas. I see us at least, you know, being 20, 20 employees, like, strong, full-time, working on multiple projects and coming to the point where we're actually um, developing affordable housing. It will be a, a branch of the company that will be strictly on building and developing um, actual affordable housing so that people can, you know, really afford and understand for families. And I think... Um, with with the right help and the right partners, that's very um, that's very doable. Yeah, 100%. The right partners can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so what other plans do you have on the horizon? Are there any events coming up? Anything um, you know that you want to share with the audience in terms of events or you know, yeah, meet greets or anything like that? There's a few things. We're doing at Brooklyn Commons May 23rd from 6 to 9, we're doing the MWBE Resource and Procurement Fair. And that's just the one of many series that's going to happen here throughout the year. And it's going to tackle different markets, uh, such as tech, construction, healthcare, legal. And also, um, just from my company, we're going to be launching kind of like a platform where people can come and basically they can get you know, uh, business advice, and they can talk to other mentors, and they can do kind of things. And because I know just some really smart people, and sometimes they're in different parts of the world, but if they can get online and, you know, give a daily dose of wisdom or something like that, motivation, I'm sure it'll it'll definitely help people get through this entrepreneurial thing, because it's crazy. So let's talk about this MWB thing, because, oh, you yeah. know, as a, a black woman radio station, uh, <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> so, Would you like to know? Yes. Uh, you said May 23rd, right? Yes. From 6 p.m. to 9. What day is that? Is that That's a Thursday, right? That's a Thursday. Okay. Yeah, and so are you looking for vendors, or like... We what's are. We, we, have, we have some city vendors that we're looking for right now. We're, we're, we're encouraging MWBE uh, firms or people who want to you know, become certified to come in, but this is going to be the um, the first one, and we're coming and get all the information you need. There'll be people that can help you through the sign up process on site, okay. but also for people who are already have existing MWB businesses, it needs some coaching. There's going to be a panel. I'm going to be on a panel along with some other great great speakers. Then we will have the actual vendors where you can look and you can see if there's contracts that suit your capabilities. But I encourage a lot of people to get their MWB <laughs> because most people and if people don't know it's Minority Women Business Enterprise 
Mm-hmm. You can get the certification through the city or through the state. And MTA and Port Authority have their own um, uh, own certifications. When now the city has uh, it's called uh, one NYC, and they have it on all city contracts. The thirty to thirty three percent spend on all NWBs. So that's all city and state contracts. Then you have the twenty billion dollars set aside. So you have the contract values, and you have twenty billion set aside. And there's not enough of us to take advantage of it. So we have to get the word out, get people certified, and get their businesses geared in order to take advantage of this while we still have it. Heck yeah. We got a $20 million, $20 billion pot sitting out there, and we're all just like, it's cool, it's over there, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, go over there and get that money. So, get that money. Right, yeah, position yourself. Money. Learn how to, you know, and I'll teach you. You know, call me up, you know. I let you with all these call me up. So, how are, lastly, a couple of last questions here. How are you using the Brooklyn Commons to further your goals and things like that? I think it's become a central port of, of connection. So, I've been able to have a space to incubate, you know, these ideas and these thoughts. But then, um, because of its location and where it is, it, we've had a lot of just organic growth and organic, like, teaming of mm-hmm. people. And I think, you know, that that hasn't happened somewhere. Plus, it's in my, it's in my, it's my district. So I feel like I got to, you know, be a part of it and represent okay. and work from a space that's you know, within the Bushwick community workspace. space. I'm almost part Yeah, definitely. You, uh, you walk and talk. <laughs> so if somebody was looking up to you and, and you had to give them a piece of advice if they're trying to get involved in community development or trying to get involved in, you know, maybe even disaster recovery or strategic planning, whatever, um, what kind of advice would you give that person who's looking to just start in the industry? Find a really good mentor um, because it's it's a high dollar industry. Disaster recovery and other stuff, is, there's 300 some billion dollars a year. So there's a lot of very smart people into it. But Find yourself a good mentor and realize why you want to do it. You know what I mean? It's where you're building communities. You're really putting... It's where you can actually connect your your vocation or your skills with your with your spirit, with your higher self. Because you, you can definitely see the physical changes and the things that can happen. So you just have to really want to do it. And it takes, it takes a minute. Learn. Learn everything you can. Pick it up. Read it. Take a class. Just keep doing it. You, be smarter, faster, and stronger than everybody else. Awesome. Get there. All right. Well, Desmond, thank you so much for being with us today. Where can people find you and follow you uh, and get in touch with you if they're interested? We're on Facebook, the Monroe Group LLC, and then the Monroe Group LLC.com. And that's where you can, you can find me. And, and if you're interested in looking for me, you know, it's Desmond Monroe at Facebook. You can come and maybe send me a like and we'll talk and maybe give you some advice. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show no today. I you. appreciate it. Good luck with everything that you're doing. Um, and I hope to see you around the building sometimes. Definitely. Well. <laughs> <laughs>